Hi there. Oh, hi there. How's it going? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out by the end of this recording. But so far, so good. Oh, this is so weird. This is so cool. I feel like I live in the future. Welcome to Audacity. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> okay. Well, we're here. We're I'm here. queer. I could so use a beer. Here oh, yeah. Are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're here. We're queer. We could use a beer. <laughs> Elena. <laughs> It feels so good to be behind the mic with you again. Yes. It's been too long. I, I am it sorry. Hasn't. Has it? I don't know. It it has for us. Just because I like <sighs> everything's kind of been going bad. And we were trying to record this episode last week, and then we had a massive flood in Arkansas. So yeah. you know. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, the weather is weird, and I uh, hurt myself in the kitchen. Oh, so no. I'm like, <laughs> it's fine. It's Your been a finger. weird last week is a weird week. So I'm hoping that this week, with the start of this episode recording, we'll be in a much better place. Hopefully, uh, I know so. With you by my side, I will be fine. That's nice. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Uh, science science shows that we typically do extremely well together. Uh, that's true. How are you? What have you been up to? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um, life's been throwing me one curveball after another. Tell me about it. <laughs> no, it's just gonna make me cry again. <laughs> no, tell me about it. What happened? Nah, it's fine. I mean... It's about work and me working in the Netherlands. Uh, I need a work permit to work there. And uh, the employer is supposed to issue it, but it takes like a month. Sure. I don't think like regular retail shops or stuff like that, like uh, customer service jobs are gonna go through that trouble of submitting papers just to get me to work when they have like 5 billion other choices. You never know, especially with the summer coming up and with COVID uh, resolving itself, question mark. You never know. You know. might be one of the few people willing to work retail. There's always a lot of people work willing. So, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. You don't really want to settle for retail. Well, your your goals are, are slightly bigger. Yeah, but also. Yeah. But also. But also. And this is on top of the, the residence visa? Yeah. Huh? Well. Oh, this is just still work in the Netherlands. Yeah. Because well. I can work in Belgium, but there's yeah. nothing here. <laughs> literally. That's, literally. Here. Yeah. You've got so fur. here we are. I do have fur. And, and between the two of you, it's unstoppable. Eh. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. And I'm Elena. And this is Bet You Wish This Was an Art Podcast. Sorry, we're so sad. It's just so much. Again, a part of the reason why this episode is going to be so so quiet and so good for us is just because of the fact that, like, it's Night at the Museum, <laughs> which, like, what a perfect, simple, dumb, fun movie. That's fair to say. <laughs> um, I have spiked my peach green tea lemonade with gin. So this is the energy I'm bringing into today's episode because nice. it is my day off and I've been cleaning my apartment since 8 a.m. 
I'm proud of you. Well, to be fair, <laughs> I had no choice. I needed to. It was getting to that point in which mm-hmm. my brain, this is now cleaning apartment content. But like, I <laughs> genuinely was like, oh, great. I live within my own nightmare headspace. I yeah. might as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, you know, we're we, we out here. We're doing our best. Um, Everything is basically clean. I borrowed my friend's vacuum cleaner. I sat in through a couple of meetings that I had to do on my day off. Smiley face. Smiley face. Um, And I got to talk to some really cool people from my department or from my museum in the data and strategy uh, department. So I might have an article for us just as a as a fun as a fun little thing for us. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So it's good. We out here. We're doing our thing. We're living our best lives. I (laughs) love and need you. I love and need you too. And it's fun. And I know, I know that content wise, this is going to be a very thin episode, but I think it's going to be a fun episode because I think once we start getting into like the nitty gritty of how we feel about this movie, you know, it'll be fine. And when we finally do the other two movies, it'll also be fine, TM. <laughs> Are we going to do the whole trilogy? You know what? I think we legally have to. Over the span of this to year, we'll, we'll pick it up every so often and be like, oh, hey, Night at the Museum, Night at the Smithsonian. Hey, it'll be good. <laughs> we could probably ignore the third one. I haven't even seen the third one. <gasps> it's fine. It's weird. It sucks. Oh, it's mm. Let's get into it. Night at the Museum is a movie trilogy that's kind of based on a book. It's based on this 1993 children's book called The Night at the Museum by this Croatian illustrator called Milan Trenk. And uh, the movie, the first movie, uh, which came out in 2006, was directed by Sean Levi and written by Robert Ben. Garrett and Thomas Lennon. It's, uh, yeah, it was a big-ass production, and it came out in December 2006, and it grossed uh, almost 580.5 million dollars worldwide, which was like the five, fifth uh, highest grossing film of 2006, but it wasn't very well critically reviewed. <laughs> I remember seeing this movie in theaters with my mother and my family, oh. and I remember my mother falling asleep while watching it. Wow, that is that is my, one of my earliest asleep? childhood memories. Why? Because you know you get to the end there, and and they're getting to the resolution. No, how? Well, you know, you just close your eyes and you lean like, your head back. <laughs> but it has such loud soundtracks That's and true. like score. It's. You know what? My mother is a legend. <laughs> That's fair. She is. But yeah, this is the first one, the, f- the first one that we watched, because there are two more, like we said. There's one that came out called Night at the Museum Battle of the Smithsonian in 2009. And the one that we haven't seen, or I haven't seen, is the Night at the Museum Secret of the Tomb that was that came out in 2014. They're also planning to remake it for Disney Plus. So I guess something to look forward to, question mark. <laughs> Once it comes out, you know BioWap will be on the cutting edge of <laughs> Night at the Museum commentary and reporting. Yeah. 
We then, but then we also have to do in the new Indiana Jones as well. I don't want to. <laughs> it's fine. We legally have to do that one because we put more energy into the Indiana Jones episode. <laughs> we did. To be fair, holy shit, Indiana Jones. Also, it's older, so there was more critique. Behind That's true. It. <laughs> this was this was surprisingly not as problematic as I thought it would be. Oh my god, I was thrilled re-watching this movie. Um, because not only is it early 2000s humor, but also, mm. like, it's got a wide cast that individually makes some fine films, but you never know how they're gonna work together. And so, you know, you sit down and you go, alright, don't disappoint me. And then it didn't! It was actually really fun and kind of cute. And I, uh, I mean, the jokes could have been better, but it, it did the thing in which I laughed and I got emotional and I enjoyed the resolution and I like a father son growing together. I love the idea of Paul Rudd being my stepdad. I think that's I very love fun. Paul Rudd. I loved this cast. The moment I started recognizing the actors, I knew I was going to have a good time had by all. You know, That's you know I, I, it's a Robin Williams film. There's uh, <laughs> Dick Van Dyke is in it. R.I.P. to what? a legend. Yeah. It was good. It was a good set of, it was great actors. Indeed. I think the director himself said, like, once Ben Stiller was involved, that everyone wanted to start coming in because everyone wants to work with him. I mean... I think uh, that's fair. I think he's uh, a fine guy. I just think he's, you know. I don't like the set of movies that he acts in. <laughs> like the style of movies that he acts yeah, in. Well, it, it feels very much so like Night at the Museum, where it's, uh, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's up in that alley, but it's, yeah. it's, I think it's less annoying than some of the other works he's done. Definitely. And, and that's less cringy. So. You know, he just loves a cringe humor. And again, that's part of the reason where I was like, oh no, oh no, what is like, what is this movie going to do for us? And it did a lot. And I will, I, I, I am appreciative of how good Night at the Museum was upon the rewatch. And I think we, as museum people, were like the marks for this. Like, we're definitely people who, uh, like the idea of a museum coming to life. Yeah. You know, we are and those the idea folk. and the idea of spending an entire evening with the art in a quiet, perhaps zany setting could be a lot of fun and and the the build up, the 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 quote unquote villain makes a lot of sense too, you know, and and they touch on some of the same things that we're dealing with today. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a couple of apt points when it comes to what the movie talks about and anyone who enjoys natural history museums or anyone who enjoys museums in general on a casual or in a critical sense, I think also gets that sense of, oh, well, you know, they tackle some things and they get to work together and by by reconciling differences, they realize that they're not so different and they all have the same wants, dreams, and goals, which is to live out their lives coming to life at night. So, you know, they're going to work together. I liked it. That's fair. <laughs> the contradiction is that everything happens in three nights. <sighs> yeah, well, <laughs> is that realistic? 
Hey, Romeo he and Juliet the, fell in love over the span of a week. He learned the history of every single artifact in like a few hours. They had a couple of montages of him drinking coffee. Yeah, but it was the same day and that night he went to work. It was one day. It was and, a few and hours. It went, and it went poorly for him. It did, but yeah. It was I, fine. It was fine. It was. It, I think it went over the span of, was it really only three nights? I mean, Romeo and Juliet fell in love over seven days. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Timelines are uh, subjective. Romeo and Juliet is not realistic. <laughs> there were 13. Teens fell in love at a party and then died. And you're telling me the timeline for this magical realism <laughs> movie is wrong? <laughs> it's fantasy. I love fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was I you know what timing aside the the amount of slapstick humor was kept to a minimum which I appreciate and you know it was fine uh, it was it was fine <laughs> it was fine it was dumb humor with forced love aspects which I think is unfortunate yeah I love the fact that the monkey that played mm-hmm. in it that was called Dexter in the movie, whose real name in real life was Crystal. Yep. Uh, that they were trained to slap and bite Stiller for the film for several weeks. <laughs> hey, Ben, can you sit still for just a minute? Slap. Slap. This <laughs> <laughs> is so sad. Hey, listen, he did it for the art, and I respect but wait, it. But wait, my question is... Was the monkey taught to slap specifically Ben Stiller or just any person who was sitting in front of him and they did like a clap? Had this not been a trained professional uh, actor monkey, I would say perhaps anyone. But I believe Mm. Crystal was a professional. (laughs) They knew what they were doing. I think I would like to think so. Yes, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) I really like the casting of the film. I loved the, the casting of this film. I mean, they put effort. You can see that they put effort in casting appropriately. Yes. So, like, for the cons, you have a Chinese person. Sure, it's Mongolian, Chinese. It's a bit different, but at least they put the effort in. <laughs> Better than, you know, other... Better than most... And then they have uh, Mizo Peck, who plays Sakajui, and she's, uh, she's like, Japanese-Irish and has, like, Cherokee background as well. And then we have Rami Malek, who is the yeah. son of Egyptian immigrants. So, uh, I like the effort. I love this movie. And Owen Wilson's in it? Love Owen it. Owen Wilson's <laughs> in it and is uncredited for the first movie. What? <laughs> When How? they when they first made Night at the Museum, they uncredited him. I I guess he was just too too small of an actor. But and I was no, like, but he has literally. such a huge role. <laughs> literally, he was too small. He was the driver of the RC vehicle. But Jedediah, Jedediah. <laughs> Did you notice the moment where Jedediah and Octavius are like like? destroying the tire mm-hmm. and octavius is like leave leave me go save yourself and he's like i ain't quitting you <laughs> I, was like, I cried i wow <laughs> that's 
gay. I wasn't going to say that they were definitely implying some Brokeback Mountain nonsense. Oh, 100%. But you know what? I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. I loved it. Also, I just, I I loved, I just loved. (laughs) Um, And for me personally, uh, Robin Williams as Theodore Roosevelt made the most sense. Well. It made the most sense. Robin Williams, I love him so much. To hell and back. Mm -hmm. Theodore Roosevelt, I don't love as much. (laughs) Uh, And there, he was problematic. Oh, I don't know his entire history, so I can't say maybe exactly what. Uh, he, hmm. We will one day do a comprehensive overview of the Roosevelts because uh, it's interesting to me specifically. <laughs> but know that uh, Teddy held on to some weird beliefs about machismo and what uh, a man was supposed to do, and it carried into his presidency, and then doubly so, it carried into his philosophy in regards to indigenous populations. And um, he was a huge proponent of Manifest Destiny, because that was kind of his whole, like, shtick was going and exploring. Plus, he was one of the Rough Riders who went down to Cuba during the Spanish-American War. Well, We'll get into Theodore Roosevelt some other time. <laughs> but more specifically, the the statue or the equestrian statue of Theodore Roosevelt, which is outside of the American Natural History Museum in New York. Was. Was outside of the Natural <laughs> American Natural History Museum in New York. Um, calls back to the pre-presidency days. Yeah, because it was like... So it's this statue, this equestrian statue of Theodore and on his right is like an indigenous person on his left is a black person or the other way around i don't remember exactly yeah but there was huge protests about that for years the american natural history museum which the whole building of natural uh, night at the museum is based on uh, and the the facade is shown in the movie but the inside is different because it's recreated in, in yeah, a separate uh, which studio. Which I would like to do a quick little shout out to set designers. Yeah. Y'all do the most. <laughs> anyone who's responsible for making sets, anyone who's responsible for like any sort of fitting of a room slash concept for a film blows my goddamn mind. It is so difficult. It's so, that's so cool. That's art. <laughs> it's art. And honestly, the fact that they had to tear it down and destroy it and build it back up and destroy it again and tear it back up and destroy it again yeah. every time that there was like chaos in the museum. Whew. That's a, a lot of work indeed. It did not take three days to film that movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but I was saying the equestrian statue that stands in front of the building was requested to be taken down for years uh, by like the indigenous groups uh, and grassroots act- activists, and they were asking for because how of how pro- problematic the imagery was to that it, w- it will be removed, but they didn't remove it up until the Black Lives Matter mo- movement started and the protests yeah. started. And they uh, finally kind of answered in June 2020 that they would take it down because it's owned 
it's not owned by the museum, it's owned by the city. Right. But the museum has, like, a say in, like, advising, I guess, the mayor to take it away. <laughs> and, yeah, it wasn't until 2020 that it was gotten rid of, but at least it's gone now. Yay. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the fact that they um, politely neglected to include it in the museum version uh, kind of indicates the whole <laughs> from a very early on indication and recognition of maybe this isn't great. Yeah. Maybe this isn't great. And I think that there was a lot of that in the film in regards to like challenging biases, I, I guess is a word, which, which feels silly in a 2021 context, but not many geared at family slash children shows movies in the early 2000s kind of like wanted to hit home that the agenda of a museum is just as valid as the things on display and the fact that you have uh the same kind of call to action of well people aren't interested in the museum anymore so we're downsizing slash cut oh, this gets into <laughs> later topics but like um the fact that they acknowledge all of that even within the first 30 minutes of the movie like hey so we need someone to do the job of three people because we can't afford to pay the salaries of three people (laughs) because no one is coming to the museum and i wonder why Mm. nobody's coming to the museum when the director is such a prick (laughs) he is and this uh academic who thinks that people should behave a certain way or act a certain way or be a certain way inside of the museum which is it's quite accurate still well <laughs> which is still the same you know stereotype and same kind of pitfalls that museums fall into because at the end of the day oh people who don't go to museums often have this conception that it's for certain people which is why i think it was also really successful for this to be at a natural history museum natural history museums tend to be way more accessible because people seem, uh, because it's not art. Because you don't have to have an opinion about rocks. No. You just have to be interested in rocks and yeah. dinosaur bones and go, wow, this is cool. <laughs> it is much more accessible. It's much more open to people because history belongs to all of us. And art, historically does speaking, it hasn't. Does too. Historically speaking, it hasn't belonged to us. Until recently. And there's also so much more stuff to look at at a natural history museum. Yeah. We're talking about like 30, 34 million specimens and artifacts that span over like billions of years. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very cool. Unless you don't believe in evolution, in which case, well, maybe not. But <laughs> typically, also still pretty cool because then you get to look at shiny rocks. Yeah. And who doesn't like a shiny geode? Or um, we'll get into it when we finally watch the second one with the Smithsonian. But mm-hmm. like, you know, you get to see some really cool diamonds and some really cool gemstones and some really cool aquatic fossils. I don't know. I'm into it. I'm into natural history museums. It's what got me into museums in the first place. I feel very passionate about this movie. It is our, in our field. So. <laughs> yeah. No, but for sure. But it, it really ties alley. into it. It ties into like. Natural history museums are these spaces of, or museums in general, are these spaces of organizations that create and promote a conservation ethic 
around objects. And they create this like public awareness for cultural issues and environmental issues from more than just one country. You know, it's this global effort and this global projection with an agenda. But but typically, the agenda is for the promotion of education and for the promotion of uh, funding for certain things, or the conservation of artifacts that might be threatened for some reason, yeah. typically war-based and typically oil-based, war-based. But hey, mm. listen. <laughs> We've talked about that before. <laughs> and we will continue to talk about it. But the Nat- American Natural History Museum in New York is pretty cool. It has collections that document the biological and cultural diversity of many areas in many countries. It tracks the discovery of biomedicines. It helps the monitor changes in marine resources like fisheries. It also looks at the complex history of human innovation, which includes trade and technology and material culture, which helps understand how humans change indeed the earth it's very good for research like that it's done so much there's wonderful documents that are going to be linked in our sources section uh, that just detail all of the stuff that these natural history museums kind of contribute to climate change is probably the most immediate one that comes to mind uh but they but aside from that they also help like criminal cases and investigations i thought that doing was like forensic stuff yeah it, it, it does so much it is invaluable and the american museum of natural history on its own has like 34 million specimens and artifacts that go go all the way back to f- 3.5 or 4.5 billion years uh of general like earth changes and societal changes and our history of our planet and 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 communities as well so it's it's definitely more accessible in the sense that more people would be interested i guess in our own history and it's 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 much more open and much more broad like we said like you said you can just go into a natural history and just check out like the the aquatic life and see just just that because you're you're interested in specifically that and that and there's like 500 other categories that you can pick from and especially like the this specific museum the American Museum of Natural History that's in New York City is huge yeah the movie itself doesn't capture how huge it is because the set is recreated and it's made smaller yeah, but it's and we much... can really only talk about like four areas. Yeah, <laughs> it's although huge. that that last uh, that last cameo of the ocean or the aquatic section, yeah, <laughs> I thought was very unnecessary, but it also was. very cute. <laughs> Someone really wanted to include their CGI whale. They did, and I appreciate them for it. Also, the CGI in this film was really good. It it was. It was quite good. Considering that the majority of the things running around were CGI, it was pretty good. I mean the 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 small people, the miniatures. Miniatures were all CGI. The most the, of the animals were CGI. The whole war in the miniature section. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> 
wonderful. But like I said, it was it was just it was such a stupid, fun, easy movie with Neat. like bizarrely good moral stories, which is like be true to yourself, stick through to a thing. If you feel like you're overwhelmed, reach out for help. Uh, connect with family, your son. Connect with your son. <laughs> Let Paul Rudd co-parent with you. Also, he was pretty cool about being a co-parent with Paul he Rudd, was. and I respect that. <laughs> he was I jealous. I loved his pager. <laughs> oh my god, I loved him. No, I loved. I love how like the the jealousy wasn't in that he no. wanted his son to stop spending time with with the stepdad or the soon to be stepdad, but he wanted to like feel like his son was also proud of him. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. It's such there was a lot of healthy There was a lot of healthy relationships. Also like the fact that uh you know he could spend time with his ex-wife and be totally chill yeah. was great. Lovely. Was great. Uh, and you know what even the Sacagawea and uh Teddy Roosevelt love story worked for me because Cute. It, it was, was a, a lot stocky. of like it was a little stocky but to be fair Sakajuya had been listening to two men argue for 50 years oh fuck so any conversation that's not that in which you could be like extremely useful and not like walking around in circles <sighs> was fine and and you know what teddy was a perfect gentleman he was he was the breaking of the window was the best thing that ever happened to her honestly <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> and and the fact that you know teddy teddy took his time in in courtship it wasn't just an immediate like i'm in love with you he was like i just wanted to save your life i am that kind of person and you saved my life right back and i wasn't super weird about it <laughs> you know he wasn't uh, like no do not save me woman <laughs> i am here to die no like no. real theodore roosevelt would have no <laughs> Yeah, he took it on the chin and he was fine about it. He was like, I like a strong, independent woman who can rescue and save. You know, it's fine. I like that he was bashful. It was fine. <laughs> there were some problems with it. Yes, I agree. But better than getting her name wrong literally every time. Yeah. <laughs> ben. And and to be fair, there was a lot of like, not ego busting, but there was a lot of, of moments where characters really had to come within their own mm. and and realize for themselves that they were acting incorrectly or that they've been approaching things wrong the whole time or that they've been trying to put on a persona that isn't really them. Yeah. And I like those stories. Also the fact that <laughs> in that in that one final scene when uh they they try to calm everyone down during the big fight and uh, we're trying to reconcile differences. I, I like that everyone gets acknowledged, and I like that history gets to be explained there. I, I, just, I don't know. I thought the movie was trying to be very... You, you know how Indiana Jones made references to cultures mostly making shit up, but mostly like as like a, oh, isn't this interesting that I know this thing? Ha ha. Yeah. At least in this movie, it was implied that Ben did the research... And, like, in being at the museum for 36 hours. (laughs) (laughs) And sitting in on one tour and reading 10 books, largely children's books, but still books. Um, He was able to learn some cool things and 
you know, st- never learned who Christopher Columbus was, but was that really a bad thing? That should have been, is that really a bad thing? Uh, I think like 90% of the budget went into the set and CGI. <laughs> so every time, every time uh, Ben's character went some somewhere else. Yeah. It was just like, what? <laughs> the library he goes to? <laughs> It's like his ex-wife's apartment. There's one uh, shot to his apartment. Did he ever get paid? Was he ever like (laughs) eleven? Was it eleven dollars an hour? Oh my god, my heart sunk at that. It's not worth being paid eleven dollars an hour for this. I I felt that one in my bones. Yeah, yeah. Guard work is very boring. Hey, but if your museum came to life. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> that is it would fine. be very different. But, but but you saw, like, in the beginning, before things started waking up, he was already falling asleep on his job. He couldn't have stayed there if things weren't alive. And that's fair. Oh, I think he would have stuck it out. It would have just been a very different movie. Yeah. It would be boring indeed. <laughs> it would have been a very different movie. It would have been more of a, a father-son reconciling. It could have, it would have, it could have been sadder. Oh, but That's it could have sure. been an illusion, and he's just—we just see him descending into insanity. I feel like I've read once upon a time a thing on Tumblr that was a breakdown of. But what if Night at the Museum was just a dream about a man with his son and a failing relationship with his son, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. That will be sad. So, if you wanted to make it sad, I suppose we could make it sad. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a happy movie. It's a happy movie. It's a happier movie than the current situation at the American National Museum of mm-hmm. History. Yeah. History Museum. Uh, to no one's surprise, COVID hit the AMNH pretty hard. It did. <laughs> May of this year, or May of last year, the museum laid off 20% of its full-time staff, mm-hmm. uh, which is a total of 200 full-time employees, either through a combination of layoffs or... Voluntary retirements. Voluntary. Hey, your Dick Van Dyke and co. <laughs> retire. Smiley face. Smiley face. Um, and then and that's another- what they made the, the guys in, in Night at the Museum also do. Yes. Literally. 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 Literally that, but not even for pandemic reasons. No. <laughs> just budgeting issues but that's what i mean is that it's so it's bizarrely poignant <laughs> yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it is it's it's bizarrely poignant to have like this whole situation of uh history repeats itself smiley face and museums are always constantly under the threat of losing funding because they continue to lose relevance but instead of and and we've talked about this ad nauseum, not only here on the podcast, but also like in class and amongst ourselves, in order for museums to become relevant, they have to appeal to a larger audience and they have to yeah. they have to contribute to things. But then that challenges the notion of neutrality, A, mm. which is false anyways. And B, then you have to let quote unquote other people into your museum. And it has to become a space for more than just the white family it also has to be a place for like low income and it has to be a place for indigenous and it has to become a place for people of color and for blacks and hispanics and latino like latinx and all this other stuff 
And, <laughs> and the problem with that is that you then have to acknowledge that the history you have on your walls might be telling a different history than the ones that your new audiences want to see or read about. And so then you have to change your audience or then you have to change your uh, collection approach. And then you have the audiences that have been coming to your museum for decades now suddenly saying, hey, wait a second. I don't agree with this. I don't like this. Yeah. What do you, why are you saying these things? I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to think. I just want to, I just want to look at my shiny rocks. Mm -hmm. I just want to look at my pretty paintings and I just want to have a good time. And it's like, yeah, but... (laughs) Unfortunately, the implication of the shiny rock or this pretty painting might be from, I don't know, stolen lands. Smiley face. I think with the way the museums are going right now, with them just pushing for this idea, this lie that is museums are neutral, I think they're going to make themselves obsolete if they keep pushing at it. Because... Sure, changing your narrative, changing the way that that the history is told is going to make a lot of people upset. But you either make those people upset and then they will get over it, or you keep going like this and more and more of these people who who thought that what you're showing is was true will start being informing themselves and the next generations are going to be more and more informed and they're not going to take your bullshit on the the this statement that museums are neutral on this history that you're offering them because it's not true and we know it because you're only showing one side one perspective and you're only showing this one hero that is the white uh, straight ma- man <laughs> um mm-hmm. and, and cis and it's just if you continue down that road no one's gonna the, the more time passes the more people you're gonna lose and you can't really afford to lose more people because you've already lost so many because <laughs> of the same reasons and I think, uh, I think, uh, now here in the Netherlands, at least, they're really trying to shift at least a few like contemporary museums are trying to shift this perspective of like trying to engage their communities and their neighborhoods into the programs that they offer and offering new programs that makes it more, more open for more people and they're trying to develop these these different uh factors and these different programs that that will lead to eventually hopefully more people wanting to come to the museum and being more welcome at the museum and while it is a bit of a test run as they would like to say it is something that needs to be done even if the, these versions might not be successful in the end. Because, yeah. All I'm saying is that if the narrative hasn't changed from 2006, maybe maybe we should be working on that. <laughs> you can't stay stagnant. You have to yeah. change with the times, or you'll be buried. And And that's a huge thing, is that as a source of information and resource and education and all that other stuff, it is not... It's indisputable that museums have that potential and that power and that that domain. It is if you would like for this information center to remain relevant 
for people to continue to come back, you have to make people understand what you have available. And it can't just be hidden behind privilege. Yeah. Or centuries or decades of, well, we have always done it this way and we believe deep in our hearts. And it's like, no, no. Well, because you've always done it this way is why you're losing people. That's why we've had protests since 2016. Yeah. For decolonization of the museum. <laughs> it's why we have the anti-Columbus Day. It's why we have... uh. Oh, acknowledgement. Actually, the Natural History Museum does have an acknowledgement of country now. It's a small one. It's a plaque, but it is still an acknowledgement of country, hmm. which is a start, I guess. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It turns into one of these things where it's like, it comes back to, you also don't want the museum to be pretending to be interested in these things and these topics, because at the end of the day, like, that's also shitty. <laughs> You just need to employ more diverse people and then it'll just come. I think that's 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 the only solution, I think. Or that's the best solution. Disassociate yourself from awful people and and bring in people who can bring in new perspectives. Because if you can breathe fresh life, maybe you too can breathe life into your collections. Wonderful. Eleni, thank you so much for doing this episode with me. Thank you too, Stephanie. <laughs> I I feel I smiley love- now. Good. It was just a stupid movie, and I like stupid it was movies. Fun. <laughs> uh, could not watch it all the way. No, he's wrong. <laughs> he, we he watched the halfway, and then he was like, "Okay, I'm done," and I continued no. watching. And he was like on the computer, separate, and hearing me laugh at all the terrible jokes that they were They're telling. bad jokes, but they're very they're, fun. I highly recommend fine. anyone giving them a rewatch. Or rather, <laughs> Night at the Museum a rewatch. Especially, like, if you're gonna get cozy, and, like, maybe a touch, you know, however however you like to unwind, however you like to relax. If you're, if you're gonna put cozy little socks on, maybe a little face mask, and put your hair up, and, and just, like, Snuggle in and, and watch a cool little movie. Night at the Museum is a good one. Yeah. Indeed. The rewatch value is there. It ha- it has not aged to- it badly, like most of the movies from that era. Yes. God, don't we know it. Oh, but most, but you know, it also like, it, it holds up. It's it's as bad as it was then. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair to say. <laughs> That's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, good, uh, Description of the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> oh man, what a good film! Yeah, it's cool. We're we're gonna get into some other fun stuff, and so just just hold out hope, y'all. Don't don't you fret. Don't you fret. We got you. <laughs> but for other fun Egyptian tablets that bring art pieces back to life, updates, newsletters, transcripts, blog posts, and more. Head on over to our website at bywrpod.com. You can also find us on Instagram at bywrpod. And on Twitter at bywrpod. And you can also email us at bywrpod at gmail.com. And of course, you can check us out on our Patreon. Patreon is the best way to support us if you like the work that we're doing here at BiWAP. Come say hi, it's the same handle. <laughs> <laughs> Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. God, please. And, 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 and remember, when in doubt, titty out.
Thanks, guys. Now go watch Night at the Museum. <laughs> go watch it. Make that your treat tonight. Yes. Just, mm, mm, <laughs> mm. And what do we get to research? Oh, not Night at the Museum. Great. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.